0: Hello and welcome to the New Franklin Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you chose to join us today. Our church is located at 2355 New Franklin Road, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17202. Today, Pastor James will be continuing the follow series. The title of today's message is Learning to Listen. Today we want to get back to our discipleship series called The Follow. We are in week number three in our series. Uh, The Follow series, again, is a series of um, sermons and Bible studies, Sunday morning messages and Wednesday uh, evening Bible studies, small group discussions that will help you reach the next level in your walk and in your journey with the Christ. Wherever you are in your journey with Christ, The Follow Discipleship series is designed to help you reach that next level. And so in week one, the big idea, every week we're going to have what we call the big idea. And so in week one, the big idea was that following Jesus changes everything. How many have that experience? That following Jesus changes things in your life. And that's an ongoing, if you're continuing to follow the Lord, you're continuing to change some, somehow, your own life, your, the life around you. Jesus changes things, and following Jesus changes everything. Matthew 4, 19 says, come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. And we looked at what, what it means to be a follower of, of Jesus. And then we started looking at the seven essential characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ. And we started uh, with uh, the first characteristic in week number two, uh, being learning to be with Him. The first characteristic, uh, the, the first essential characteristic of following Christ is learning to be with Him, His presence. The big idea from week number two was being with Jesus is our highest calling. Being with Jesus is our highest calling. And Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I will, uh, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The kids are learning these scriptures each week, and we're going to give them another Uh, Scripture verse this week's for them to learn next week. And I encourage you, parents, to to work with your kids to memorize these scriptures. Memorize them yourselves. Give them a challenge. If they memorize before you, maybe you treat them for ice cream or something. Uh, And so uh, work with your kids with this. Today I want to start looking at attribute number two learning to listen. Learning to listen. Today's big idea. <clears throat> when we listen and obey God, we build a strong foundation that will last when the storms of life come. I think I have that up there, yeah. Again, I'll say that again. When we listen and obey God, we build a strong foundation that will last when the storms of life come. That big idea is comes from our main text for today. It's Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and this whole follow series comes from the book and from the Gospel of Matthew. And today we come to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says this, these are the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house And I know this is a little longer, so maybe some of the older kids may want to take, take this one, but uh, if they will memorize this Scripture verse and quote it, then maybe we'll have a little bit bigger gift card for someone next week. But uh, again, I'll say it again, the tr- attribute number two is learning to listen. Again, the big idea, when we listen and obey, which is critical to that, then we build a strong foundation that will last when the storms of life come. And so, as we get back to the story of Christ, uh, we've been talking about Jesus when he calls his disciples, when he called his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Getting back to that part of the story, the first thing that we see Jesus doing after he called his disciples to follow, he basically calls them now to listen and watch. You see, he, he says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. And the very first thing, then, they, they do is listen and watch. They don't do a thing, they're just called to listen and watch, as he taught in the synagogues and healed the sick. Matthew chapter 4 records what happened immediately after Jesus called his disciples to follow him. Remember, in week one, we were on Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus called. Um, Peter and and some of the fishermen that were with him. I forget all the fishermen who were disciples and and the sons of Zebedee, James and John and Peter. And and he called the, the disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, immediately after they drop their nets and they follow Christ, this is what happens. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23. We'll go to chapter 5, verse 2. It says, Jesus went through Galilee Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, and then he goes on. This was the beginning. This, Matthew chapter 4, is the beginning of Jesus's most famous sermon. How many know that sermon, what it's called? Yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the beginning of that. The Sermon on the Mount encompasses Matthew chapter 4, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The sermon starts, again, in chapter 5 with what? The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, and so on and so on. And then it ends in chapter 7 with the verses that we just read, our main text. And again, it, he ends his sermon by saying, therefore, right? Every time you see the word therefore, you need to look at why it's there, what it's there for, right? So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's basically saying, listen, everything I've just told you, make sure you listen and put it into practice because those who do it are wise. It's like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. So that's what he's saying. The end of a sermon is always the most important part of the sermon. It's the climax of everything that was just said. It's the the takeaway or the application part of the message. And so Jesus finishes his Sermon on the Mount, By painting a picture for everyone of the importance of hearing his words and putting them into practice. He is teaching us that listening to his words and putting them into practice is as important to our faith as is a foundation to a building. Now, let's look at the first part of that verse again, verses 24 and 25. It says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rains come down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I can tell you the church is experiencing this kind of situation right now. The winds are coming down. Uh, the winds are blowing hard. The rains are coming down. The floodwaters are rising in our country. And we need to ask ourselves, will the church withstand it? Will we withstand it? This is what's happening in our, perhaps in our lives, certainly in our country. You see, Jesus never promises us a storm-free life. He doesn't. He says the rains will come. He says the winds, they will blow, and and the floodwaters, they will rise. But again, again, Jesus never promises us a storm-free life, but he does give us a way to survive them, a way to make it through. How many here are thankful for that? Yeah. He says if we build a strong foundation, well, then when the rains come and the winds blow, and the floodwaters rise in our life, our faith will not fail. In the year 1174, it's a long time ago, not quite, a thousand, uh, not quite uh, a thousand years, I guess it's 800 and something years ago, the year 1174, there was an architect by the name of Banano Paisano. Love that name. Banano Paisano, he learned the hard way how important a firm foundation is. How many know, how many know who Banano Paisano is? Hold off on that picture just a moment. Did they put it up? No, good. How many know who Banano Paisano is? is, Crystal? is Did Crystal? Oh, you Google it. That's not fair. You she found out what it is, who it is. <laughs> Go ahead and put that picture up. Yeah. (laughs) Bainano Paisano was the architect that was tasked at designing a self-standing bell tower for the cathedral in the city of Pisa. And it became his most famous work, but not for what he would want it to be famous for. You see, we know the tower, we, we know this tower as what? The leaning tower of Pisa. This tower was to be eight stories high, 185 feet tall. Soon after construction, actually, as they were building this, the tower starts to lean. They weren't even finished. They weren't even halfway when the tower starts to lean. They began to discover that the ground they were building on was not as stable as they thought originally. And so what they do is they they decide, instead of, they try to save it. Rather than letting it collapse and building on a a different foundation, they try to save it. So they build. You can't see on, on this picture, but on some angles, the tower actually starts to, they start building in the opposite direction to try to balance the weight of this tower. They spend 100, where is it, 176 years to build this eight-story tower, trying to get it to stay up. Well, I guess they did. I guess it, whatever they did worked. But to be honest, it leans 18 feet away from where it should be leaning, basically rendering the building useless. Now it's just a historical, a historical building that, that it's useless. Experts say that one day it will fall because the foundation is not right. You see, when a foundation is not right, there's no way of fixing the structure that sits on top of it. I'll say that again. When the foundation is not right, there's no way of fixing the structure that sits on top of it. Foundations are important. Listening to Jesus is the foundation to a strong faith. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his tower, uh, built his house on a rock. And so sometimes we find ourselves like this lady, though, with our faith, trying to hold up our faith, our life. You see, well, we need to position ourselves, not like this woman, but we need to position ourselves so that we can hear and listen to Jesus. What does that mean? We need to position ourselves. We need to make sure we're hearing His Word. That means we're here on Sunday mornings. That means we're making an effort to be in Sunday school class. That means we're making an effort on Wednesdays to be in Bible study or small groups or things that we have, special services during the week. Let, Let me tell you, I was talking to Sonny this morning. There was so much spiritual truth that he preached Sunday. I I had a hard time keeping up, and I'm pretty good with that. But he was saying so many good things that I'm going to go back and listen to these, you see. There was so much there that I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the ministry how many years. I'm a Christian how many years, and that seems new to me, you see. And so we need to position ourselves so that we can hear and listen to Jesus. Not just in services, but even every day in our personal lives, taking time out and just reading his scriptures and praying. And, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but just making sure each day, even if the church is not open, that I'm taking time and I'm positioning myself in a way to hear him speak. So point number one is this. You build a strong foundation when you listen to God. Simple, right? Self-explanatory. We build a foundation when we listen to God. First, the fact that God speaks to us is both amazing and humbling at the same time. That the creator of the universe, the holy God, chooses to speak to me? You see, the psalmist asks a question. In Psalm 8:4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? You say, well, we can make that question. We can ask ourselves that question, make it personal. Who am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? Who am I? But there's another question we need to ask ourselves. How do we hear from God? God chooses to be mindful of us. He listens to us. He cares for us. He knows every intimate detail about us. How now can we listen to him, get to know him? Last week, one of the messages that our special speaker, Dale Everett, spoke was on the ability to hear from God. You remember that one? When he prayed, he laid hands on each of our ears. And he prayed that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us. And if I remember correctly, I think there are 11 times that Jesus is recorded saying that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Seven of those times are in the book of Revelations, in the first three chapters, when Jesus is giving a message to who? To the New Testament churches. That's you and I. And so, how important is it for us to have ears to hear What the Spirit is saying. It's very important. Every parent will tell you that there's a difference between when your child hears you and when he or she is actually listening to you, right? How many times, I know they heard me. I know you heard what I said, but your room still isn't clean, right? So, did you hear me? You heard me, but you weren't listening to me. There's a difference, and I think we all know that. Listening suggests an understanding to what is being said, but it's more than an understanding. It's an understanding and a response. And let me get it, I'll get into that in a little bit. But there are four ways we learn to listen to God. First, we listen for God through His written Word. Listen, the danger is, we face sometimes when it comes to the written Word of God, is that there is a tendency within us to gain knowledge of the Word without an understanding of the Word. We call this understanding wisdom, right? There's a difference between knowledge and and wisdom. An understanding of the Scripture goes beyond knowledge of the Scripture. Knowledge is nothing more than information gathered, right? But information, again, that in many cases may just produce pride or a false sense of faith or salvation. It has to be more than information. It has to be more than just knowledge. You see, knowledge may make you Jeopardy champion. How many, There was 30-something days that guy was on Jeopardy, you see. Well, knowledge may make you Jeopardy champion, but will not build a strong foundation to your faith. That understanding, that revelation, in other words, is wisdom, and it produces a response in us. In other words, wisdom is always acted upon. Let me say again. Wisdom is always acted upon. I can look up, and I can see the storm clouds rolling in, and I can say, it's going to rain. I have that information. I have that knowledge. I can see it's going to rain. but if I go out without an umbrella, that's not wisdom. If I know the the winds are starting to blow, and it's, it's to the point where it's almost a hurricane out there, and I go out without being prepared, well, that's not wisdom. That's just information. That's just knowledge without the wisdom. Knowledge is useless to me unless I understand how that knowledge should be applied to my life. And so when we read the Scriptures... We need to read it with a deep desire to understand how we should apply it to our lives. And that's why I'm going to go back and listen to these messages, because there was a lot of information, a lot of things that I was like, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. But that's useless to me me unless I look at that and say, well, now, how does that apply to my life? And so I'll listen to those messages with a pad uh, pad and pen, and just write it down, and, and I'll think about it, you see. But that's what I do with the Scriptures. That's really what we should do with the Scriptures. When we read our Scriptures, we're not just reading to get through the Bible in a year, which is okay and which is good, but it's not about just getting through it in a year. It's about lo- reading a, a verse or a chapter and say, now what is that saying to me today, you see? What is God trying to tell me here today? And what do I need to do today about it? You see, there are four ways to learn to listen to God. We listen for God through his written word. We listen for God through prayer, right? I think we all know this. We all know this by now. We all know that prayer is is so much more than just giving God our laundry list of requests and needs, right? God, heal this person, be with this person, help me with this, and do that. Yeah, I do that. I give my, I give my needs to the Lord. I, I list them. But my prayer life has drastically changed. Some of you have heard me share this before. My prayer life has drastically changed over the years. Again, yes, I pray for my needs, the needs of my family, the needs of my friends and ch- my, our church here. But I can tell you that I don't spend as much time as you might think praying for needs because I've reached the point in my life where I can trust God in all of these things. That if I am doing God's will, if I am right where God has called me to be, doing right where, doing what God has called me to do, then he'll just take care of that. When I face the storms of life though, when things get tough, when the rains come down upon me, when the winds blow hard against me, when the flood waters Try to pull me down under? Well, yeah, I pray for God to calm the, the storm, but I pray beyond that. I also pray that God would make me stronger through it. I also pray that, for, that God would reveal himself to me through the, the circumstance and situation, through the storm that I'm facing. I pray that I would learn what he would want me to learn through it all. Speak to me through this, God. Why is it that you're you're allowing me to go through this? My prayer is that I would respond to the hardship or to the struggle or to the uncertainty the way Christ would want me to respond, which is a lot of times the the hardest part. (laughs) It's hearing, it's understanding, but the responding sometimes is the hardest part, you see. Let me give you an illustration, uh, something I'll take from the Scriptures. One of the greatest revelations, we're talking about storms, right? Well, one of the most famous storms recorded in the Bible is the storm when, that came upon the disciples when they were in the boat. Jesus was not in the boat with them. Jesus comes walking on the water in the midst of this storm. Now, the context of that story was that it was after dinner— that Jesus tells the disciples, listen, get on the boat, go across the sea, and I'll meet you some other time. Well, they go, it's light out, it's after dinner, they get on the boat, they go, and a storm comes in. And now it says it was the third watch of the night when Jesus came walking on the water. What does that tell me? That was, it was about three or four in the morning, which means they ate dinner, what, seven, to eight o'clock the latest? Now it's three or four in the morning. They're in that boat trying to survive seven or eight hours, and they were professional fishermen. They, were profession- they knew what they were doing in that boat. The fact that they were still floating probably is a testimony of how good they were at, at being in that boat. But they're getting to the point where they're, they're ready to, to give it all up. They don't know what's going to happen, and Jesus comes walking in the water. And Peter comes along and says, "If it, well, they don't believe it's him. They think it's a ghost, because everybody knows what a ghost looks like, right? And they said, well, if it's you, Lord, then, Peter says, well, bid me to come out on the water. That bothered me one time when I was going through it. I says, why would he ask that question? See, that, that was not the first time the disciples found themselves in a boat in the middle of a storm. One time earlier, they found themselves in a boat, in a storm, and these professional fishermen... They were getting nervous. They thought they were going to die. Jesus, though, he was in the boat, sleeping. He was sleeping. Finally, they wake him up. It was the last thing they did. They says, wake him up. Th- Don't you care that we perish? And I can picture Jesus waking up. Huh? 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 Peace be still. The storm just disappeared and he went back to sleep. No, he didn't go back to sleep, but he taught a lesson. So now... Fast forward to the next storm. Jesus is not with them. He comes walking on the water three or four in the morning. And so why didn't Peter, think about this, why wouldn't Peter say, Lord, if it's you, then come to sea the way you did before. No, he says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come out on the water with you. You ever wonder why? What would possess him to ask that question? They were struggling in this storm, seven, eight hours. Have you ever had some some sort of struggle in your life that's just lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted, and you're waiting, God, when will it end? That was the point where Peter was at. God, when is this going to end? And instead of asking for it to end, for it to end, he goes, bid me to come out in the water. Jesus is walking on the water in the midst of this storm. Jesus, Peter says, I want the ability to do that. You see, there's a difference, again, between knowing a story. How many know that story? We've all heard that story. Peter walked on the water. If you want to walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat. But there's so much more truth to that story. That won't come unless you're going through it. That's the difference between knowledge of a story and revelation. I was going through it. And God showed me, yeah, I'll calm the storm sometimes in your life. And, and it seems like when I was young and young in the ministry, he did that a lot for me. He calmed the storm and he, he just lifted it from me. I was like, oh, thank you. And then as I got older, he wouldn't do it. I was like, why do I have to go through this, God? And I read this story. He says, because I want you to learn to walk on the water. Because I want you to learn to go through it. That's the difference between knowledge of a story and revelation. Which brings me really to my my third point. How, How do we learn to listen? Four ways we learn to listen. Through his written word. Through prayer. Through our circumstances. We listen for God in our circumstances. God always wants to speak to us through our circumstances. And sometimes they're good circumstances and sometimes they're bad. How I, I would rather him speak to me during the good times. But sometimes the, the best lessons I learn in life are the lessons during those tough times. I'm going to use an illustration that that some of you might connect with and some of, some of you might just get triggered. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to use it anyway. I don't think many of you looking at who's here is going to get triggered, but I don't know. I was not happy when President Trump lost the election. I never supported his attitudes and, and his demeanors and the pride that he seemed to cling to. But his politics seemed to make things a lot better for our country, a lot better for Christians, for aborted babies, for Israel. And I can that list can go on. In my opinion, I think it's true, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you as my opinion. There were a lot of questions in my mind about why God would allow this then to happen. Not just the election, but even... The COVID, why would God let that come during an election year? Because so much went wrong when that was politicized. The COVID virus came and it swept across this world. The politicians used it to instill fear in the hearts of people. And once people are gripped with fear, they're easily controlled. And that's what I saw happen. Again, that's my take on it, you may not agree. And that's okay. That's not the point of it. You see, my take on what happened caused me to ask God why. Why would He allow this circumstance to come, this virus to come during that election year? But when my emotions settled down, and it took a while, when my emotions settled down, I began to ask God a different question. I began to pray and ask God differently. I says, God, what is it that you want to speak to me about? And he had to show me some of my, the things I had to work through. i had gotten to the point where I was really passionate about what was going on in our country, almost more so than what I was seeing happening in our churches. See, I was, I was starting to see myself more emotionally connected to politics than I was about the kingdom. And so he had to speak to me. I haven't watched news since. Uh, I just haven't. I, I read maybe some captions, but it's just my way of staying more. And I was watching more news than I was reading the scriptures. I mean, these are all the little things that, that God spoke to me. See? And so God spoke to me. And I had to respond. And then I saw it as a church. Why would, you know, what what are you trying to speak to the church about, God? What, what, What does the church need to take away from this? And so, again, God speaks to us through circumstances. And sometimes they're not the best circumstances. But he always wants to speak to us. And he uses the circumstances, good or bad, to speak to us and reveal his truth to us and show us ourselves sometimes if need be. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I can tell you how many times I sat in someone's, some pastor's office and some of me was exposed, you see. Whether it was right or wrong for him to say what he did is a different story, but it still exposed me. And I had to then hear what the Lord was saying and respond to it. Four ways we learn to listen to God. We listen for God through His written word. We listen for God through prayer. We listen for God through our circumstances. And we listen for God through His people. People. Not just people who are pastors and evangelists and prophets. We need to be intentional about connecting on a personal level with others within the body of Christ. We need to surround ourselves with those who can encourage us in the Lord. We need to surround ourselves with those who will be honest with us when we're not where we should be in Christ, can speak truth to us even without getting offended. We need to surround ourselves with people who want to see us grow stronger in the Lord. And so, point number two. Again, you build a strong foundation when you listen God, and there are four ways you listen. We learn to listen. But point number two is we build a strong foundation when you put what you hear into practice. Again, going back to to that verse, when you put what you hear into practice. Now, that's where the rubber meets the road, now, doesn't it? Again, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Think about that phrase, what we put into practice. I was thinking about that part of that phrase, that verse. See, listen to my words and put them into practice. We could say that a few different ways. When we put it into practice in our lives, his words into practice in our lives, or how we respond to situations in our life. How we react to certain circumstances that come about in our life. Or what decisions we make, or what determines the decisions we make in life. That's what he's really talking about. In other words, the foundation of our life. Now, now let's focus on that. What is the foundation of our life? He's talking about the core of who we are, our foundation, right? The belief systems that we hold to, it's our foundation. The dominant influences in our life, that's our foundation. The things that are in us that, that determine the decisions we make that is our foundation. So the foundation of our life will determine what we put into practice in our life. The foundations of our life will determine how we respond to certain situations when they pop up unsurprisingly, uh, uh, unexpectedly in our life. The foundations of our life will determine how we react to circumstances that are not too pleasant in our lives. It'll determine what decisions we make in life. Foundations are important, aren't they? So, what is the dominant influence, the foundation in my life that determines what I do when the rains come down upon me? What is the dominant influence in my life that determines what I do when the winds blow hard against me or when the floodwaters try to pull me down under? Do you know what it was for the people of the New Testament in Jesus' day? What was their foundation? What was Jesus attempting to to expose in them? Well, it was the temple. The temple life had become the center of activity and and the foundation to, to who everyone was, who all the Jews were. See, One of the walls of the temple still exists today. The temple that Jesus was in was built by Herod. It's called a wailing wall. It's just one of the walls of that temple, With the wailing wall. How many people come to that wall every year and pray, and they write their prayer requests on a little piece of paper, and they stick it into that wailing wall? Well, in Jesus' day, that temple was the center of their culture. The priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they became the dominant influence in people's lives. But the law that God had given to people through Moses all those years back, it had been polluted with the traditions and the religions of man. So the law was not really the law anymore. anymore My, my, Long, Island, my, my Long Island draw just came out there. Did you get that? <laughs> the law was no longer the law. It, it became more man's traditions and religions and man's law than God's law. They were more in love with their religion and their traditions than they were with God himself. So much so, that on one occasion, the Pharisees were upset at Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath. Think about that. They would rather see someone continue to suffer than for someone to break the legalistic interpretation of keeping the Sabbath. You see, what is the foundation of our life? What determines what we do and and why we do it? What What is the core of who we are, the dominant influence in our life? What is it that determines what we put into practice in our lives or how we respond to difficult situations in our life or the decisions we make during uncertain times. We need to know this, because according to Matthew chapter 7, if it is anything other than the words of Jesus himself, well then our life will at best look like that leaning tower of Pisa. And at worst, it'll completely crumble, crash, and be disastrous. Any foundation other than the words of Jesus himself The foundation of shifting sand. So I'll ask again what is the foundation of our lives? Is it family? Well, that sounds noble, right? Family is certainly important. But if that determines what you do in life, the decisions you make in life, it's shifting sand. Is it success? Does your desire for success determine the decisions you make and the things you put into practice in your life? That desire for success is a foundation of shifting sands. Is it your health? I've known people whose healthy lifestyle actually kept them from the call of God upon their lives. Their need to spend time in the gym kept them from spending time in church serving the Lord. If your health becomes the dominant influence in your life, determines what you do and when you do it and why you do it, well, then your life is built on shifting sands. Here's one for you. How about patriotism? Is that the core of who you are? I know, now I'm, now I'm uh, I need to be careful, right? <laughs> if the dominant force in our life is a political party or a political platform or the desire to see a certain president elected or, or a certain laws passed, then I'm telling you this is the shiftiest sand of all the shiftiest sands. Now, are any of these things wrong in and of themselves? Absolutely not. Of course not. But sometimes, without even realizing it, these things become dominant influences in our life that determine decisions we make. We're making a decision based more on what our family would like to see than what the Lord. Now, there haven't been many times when the Lord's will would be different than what my family wanted. I'm talking not just my wife and children, but my, my, my parents, that kind of thing. But there have been times when the Lord's will separated me from my family or my family's opinion, you see. I thank the Lord that he doesn't do that often. <laughs> but every once in a while, yeah. Sometimes without even realizing it, these things become dominant influences that determine the decisions we make in life. There is a word that we use for the act of putting into practice the words of Jesus. What's that word? It's obedience. simple. It's obedience. Let me close by giving you three important truths about obedience. Number one, the first step of obedience is believing listen, if you don't believe, sometimes we obey and we don't believe. Like my boss, he tells me to do something, you know, and, and you know, when I was working in the apartment complexes and I was not the supervisor yet, and he would tell me to do something, and in my mind I'm thinking, that's never going to work. But I do it anyway, because he's the boss, I'll, I'll give my opinion, and if he doesn't listen to it, okay, I'm going to do it, and it's going to flop. Sure enough, it flops. I was right. See, I believe, <laughs> but I do it because it he told me to do it. He's the boss. But how long am I going to last at that job if I continue to believe that? It, you know, he's always wrong, he's always wrong, he's always wrong, he's always wrong. It's not, it's not going to... So when we're obeying the, the Lord, you know, sometimes I step out in faith not knowing how this is going to turn out. It's a step of faith, right? i never doubt that he knows what he's doing, so that's why I'm able to step out in faith not knowing how it's going to play out. But I believe in him. I believe that he knows what he's doing, even if I don't. And so, if we're going to obey him, we must believe that he knows what he's doing. Even when it seems like it's the, uh, the worst thing that anyone could ever do. <laughs> God, are you sure you want me to step out on the boat now? I mean, if, if, if you're going to ask me to walk in the water, then... It'd be a lot easier for me to do it without the waves crashing and the winds blowing. And, you know, help me out a little bit, God. You know? If we believe the words of the Lord when he says, I will never leave you, never forsake you, then why would I hesitate going anywhere he leads me to go? Because he's there with me. If you believe the words of the Lord when he says, Lo, I am with you always. Or I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. See, I can make decisions, life decisions, based on that verse. You see, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. I can make life decisions based on that that life. I don't have to fear when he asks me to step out on the boat, or when the storms of life just keep raging and he's not calming the seas. I can make decisions based on some of these verses. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. I can step out of that boat without any fear because of, if, if he's truly calling me, because of that verse. What you believe will always determine your obedience. Number two, everyone is building a house, either by design or unconsciously. You're building a house, whether you know it or not. You can build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus, or you'll be building your life on things that are shifting sand, like fear, and doubt, worry, anxiety, the desire to be accepted by others or the desire to please others. Shifting sands. Everyone is building something. What foundation will you choose to build your life upon? And finally, partial obedience will cause leaks in your foundation. You know, I've seen a lot of buildings, I've worked with old buildings, you know, as a maintenance supervisor, and I saw foundations that were at one point really strong, but because of the crack in it, over time water would get leaked in and and water did so much damage you see cracks will eventually destroy a foundation, the water, and what what's what's the most important thing to know about this kind of thing is that the longer we go without complete uh, the, the thing about foundations let me let me back up the thing about cracks in your foundation is that water leaks the longer it goes unnoticed or undealt with, the worse it becomes. And so, when we have a crack in our foundation, the longer we go without dealing with it, you see, the longer we kind of hold on to that fear in whatever area, and it doesn't pop up often, you see, just when, you know, when, when this person says something or or you know for me it was I, I you know I, well a lot of things I remember when my girls started driving and going off on their own, you know, and so every time they they were a little late, there was that little fear there was that little fear there was that little fear there was that little doubt there was that little doubt, whatever area in your life you see that past hurt that you just You know, you don't deal with because you just kind of suppress it. You you know, just leave it back behind you. And every once in a while, it pops up. If someone says something or does something, or you see a certain someone who hurts you, or something like that, it just goes unnoticed. It goes undealt with. The longer it goes undealt with, the more damage it does to that foundation. Foundations are important. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. This is what Christ wants for your life. He'll calm the seas. He'll continue to do that. He's, he's the God who calms seas. But he's also the God who calls you out upon the waters before calming the sea sometimes. And he wants us to have a strong foundation. The second essential characteristic of following Christ is learning to listen. What is the Lord speaking to your life right now? What is he saying through your circumstance? that you're going through this week, this month, this season? You see, Have you gone through it? Are you going through it? Maybe we need to reflect back to a circumstance years ago that still have some raw emotions attached to it, some past hurts. That You think you're over it, but, you know, again, it's past hurts every once in a while, you that emotion becomes real. You see, I have those. See, I have those. To be honest, every once in a while, I, well, I'll give you one, I'll give you one, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'll, I'll scroll and I'll see a little clip of a movie about bullying. You know, there's a lot of movies out there that kids watch about bullying because it's a big deal. Man, I, I can't stand, I, I, it, it creates emotions in me because as a kid, young kid, I was bullied. As I got older, not so much, I put on some weight and things changed. But as a young kid, I I was bullied. And so when I see that, I, you know, so I know that there's some things still in me sometimes. I says, God, I'm thankful for where where I am because I'm watching a simple movie and I'm thinking, I want to watch to see this bully beaten up. Because that's usually how it ends in the movies, right? A bigger bully comes along and beats up the bully. I was like, I want to see that. Well, why do I want to see that? Okay, Lord, what are you speaking to me about? It's exposing me, right? I need to learn to listen. All right, God. See, What's the Lord speaking to you? this week, about. Let's learn to listen and strengthen our foundation because it will help us reach that next level in our faith and our journey with Christ. It will help us reach as a church the next level of of life and faith and ministry. Let's learn to listen. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you, that you speak to us, Lord God, through your written word, through prayer, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, through the circumstances we face, and through all the lives that are surrounded by us. Lord, of those saved and those unsaved, Lord God, those that encourage us, those who want to pull us down, I've learned a lot from even those people. But I pray, Lord Jesus, first and foremost, that we would set our feet upon the rock of our salvation we thank you that you are there for us and that you are not shifting sand we take the areas of our life that are still experiencing uncertainty the areas of our life that that we've not applied your word to the areas of a lot of our life that we've uh, welcomed fear or doubt or downright disobedience. We repent. We lay them at your feet. We ask that you would take them and replace it with the confidence, with the faith, knowing that you are there, even in the midst of the storm, calling us out upon the water, leading us and guiding us Make yourself known to us. Speak to us this week. Give us the the wisdom and the courage and the boldness then to respond. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second characteristic, learn to listen. Amen. Next week we'll go to characteristic number three. I forget that what it was. I don't want to try to remember. It's uh, Learn to Listen. There's a bunch of them. Hey, go in God's grace. Go in God's peace. Enjoy the fellowship of the body of Christ before you leave if you have some time. Don't forget, tonight, we're showing the Chosen out in the Fellowship Hall. And uh, we do have a little bit of a surprise. I was told, uh, I don't know if it's this week or next week, Lester, the popcorn. I think Lester is planning on one of these. Way- this week, tonight, Lester was planning on having homemade popcorn, so and all that store-bought stuff he was offering. And, and so I let the cat out of the bag, is that all right? I hope so. All right. <laughs> but that's tonight, so we're gonna have a good old time. I'll see you tonight, Lord willing. God bless, bye. Hello everyone, this is Pastor James. I hope you enjoyed today's message. My prayer is that you would always experience all that God has for you. New Franklin Assembly exists to advance God's kingdom, to encourage God's people, and to serve our community. If you're in the Chambersburg area, we would love to have you join us for a live service. For more information, please visit our website at www.newfranklinag.org. Thank you. God bless.